0: No, that's that's a really good question. I something that has surprised me is I don't think entrepreneurial self or entrepreneurship is uh, contagious or it's it's something that people like to do. So there are really really bright and gifted people who just are super fearful. And I've talked to multiple people who are way smarter than I am, but they're like, I would never do what you're doing. Yet and yet they're writing computer software programs like from scratch. For a a mega mega organization.
1: Welcome to the e
0: commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e commerce selling today. Here's your host, Steven Peterson.
1: Hey, wanted to talk a few moments about some sponsors. Scope from Seller Labs, um, when's the last time you created a listing? Right, and when you create that listing, you've got to come up with the keywords. Right, it's all keyword dependent. I don't care if it's uh, private label or wholesale, you've got to get it right. Well, what's the best way to get it right? If you're selling a similar product that's really successful, you go and you take and use their keywords and that's what scope does for you it's a phenomenal tool brought to you again by seller labs the leaders in technology uh, when it comes to amazon right now they are just crushing it with all their products but scope allows you to get that listing right get ranked for those keywords as fast as possible therefore you get the sales so Go to sellerlabs.com forward slash scope, use the code word momentum, save a little bit of money, get some free keywords to test, try it out and see if you see an improvement. If you don't adjust, what's cool about what I love about uh, seller labs is that you then message and say, Hey, I didn't get this right, Tyler. Hey, Jeff, this isn't working right. What am I doing wrong? And boom you're going to get the help you need. And that's what you're going to get from Seller Labs. And, and it's a very special group. They've been very, I've been very fortunate to be connected with them. And again, I look over time, they've delivered every single time. You know, same thing I can say for Karen from Solutions for E-Commerce. I mean, she's been carrying my account for a couple of years now, um, and our account, my wife and I. And she really does handle things for us. Um, I mentioned uh, just last week we created a new listing with I forget how many variations, but again, all the flat files uploaded, done as I needed. I pop in, so she'll send me a template. I pop in some information and then boom, it's handled. Oh wait, these pictures weren't done right, blah, blah, blah. This UPC needs it, boom, modified, adjusted. And again, the communication's been phenomenal too. I get an email pack saying, hey, this was done or this, you're missing this, Steve. Hey, you got to do this. So, you know, we have those challenges too. And that's why I like working with somebody who's been doing it and been doing it for a long time. Did you know Karen also does listings for eBay? Yep, lots of them. So if you want to build out that channel, which of course you should, it's Q4. You should be selling everywhere you can. Um, Karen can help you with that too. So you got to tell her I've sent you. So you're going to go to solutions 4 ecommerce forward slash momentum. You're going to save 50 bucks every single month. You're going to save that $50. But more importantly, you're going to get an inventory health report. Um, did you just get hit with monthly long-term storage fees? Well, guess what? If you haven't, they're coming. You wanna get that inventory right and she can help you with that. You gotta tell her I sent you again, solutions, the number four, e-commerce forward slash momentum, will get you into that. Save the fifty bucks. Get that inventory health report though. That's really, really important. Get that going right away. And I don't wanna miss my coach when it comes to retail orb or online orb. When I have a question and I do, not that we don't we don't really do much of it anymore, but when I do have a question, I go to Gay Lisby. Because why? Because she's really She is a coach. I mean, she's really phenomenal, but she also puts out a daily list, and you're going to get that list five days a week. You're going to get tons of leads. The number of uh, agreed-to amount that you're supposed to get, she she usually gets to those in the four days, and then the fifth day seems to be a bonus most of the time. Phenomenal group. Small amount of uh, buyers where this list is going to, and the best thing is the nuggets that you learn. Hey, why is the red one better than the blue one? Gay can help you with those questions. I saw, hey, I got, um, I got a, the dreaded letter about a brand. Here's the, here's the way you approach it. Hey, receipts. Um, how do? You, what's the best practice? I saw her leading instructions, teaching me, the accountant, how to do a better job with it, and it's phenomenal. So it's Gay Lisby's, um a million dollar selling. Um, I'll have the link in here. You've got to use. Um, the, my my link, and, and it does help me. I don't want to say it that way, but um, it's part of Amazing Freedom with Andy Slamans, Lee Ron, Hirsch and Nate Slamans, so you know you can trust them, okay? So come out to the website, take a look at it, and you will get uh, savings, and you can get two weeks free right now. Only through my link, you get two weeks free. Try it. You don't like it? I get it. Back off. But right now is the time to make money. Get cash flow going right now. And so join. You get two weeks free. The only way you're going to get the two weeks free is if you use my link. It's on this episode. Come on out and give it a try. You will not be disappointed. Again, you're going to see me in there. So reach out if I can help you too. Let's get into the podcast. Welcome back to the E-commerce Momentum Podcast. This is episode 345, Craig Soderdal. I got that name right. Yes. You know, you want to be inspired. Get ready. Because, uh, you know, we're going to talk about building your fear muscle, it was a phrase he used and it just resonates with me so much. I could connect with it because, you know, and we'll talk about we're on a weight loss thing, trying to gain strength and all that kind of jazz. And it's pushing through these difficult challenges um, and they keep coming, right? And, And you're trying to lose weight or you're trying to exercise and pushing past it, building up those muscles, right? Is such a great analogy. And Craig talks about pushing past that when you're stuck, and so in your e-commerce business, when it gets challenging, when Amazon changes a rule, right? We have one now that, that we're working with, <laughs> uh, challenge, right? It's a uh, saying something's you know, hazardous or whatever, and it's not, but you got to go through that pain, right? It's like, oh, what about, you know, we got all this money tied up. Well, guess what? We're going to have to push through it because on the other side, it's so much better. And so your ability to get through that, right? The other thing that I really take away from Craig is his optimism. When he looks at something, he's looking at it. First off, it's all upside, the degree of upside. Man, when you're looking at it, something from that perspective, instead of going in, eh, how much is it going to cost me? Well, no. How much is it going to make me? Right. It's already going to make break even. Now I'm going to see what's the upside of it. I think that perspective is quite frankly one of the reason that he's you know ten xing and gonna double and then triple and wait till you hear his plans. I mean it's it's there's no doubt he's gonna do it. There's absolutely no doubt. Very very cool, great story. Let's get into the podcast and welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Very excited about today's guest because I think uh, he has a lot of perspective um, to offer. Not that he's old because I'm older, but he has perspective um, and I think. I think it's always healthy when you get perspective for somebody who's doing it, not just talking about doing it, not just saying, hey, look at my Instagram, you know, and my Lamborghini. No, he's doing it, and his doing it for him is going to practices and doing, being involved, yet being a very successful businessman, and it's, it's very, very encouraging. Craig Soderdahl. How did I, I do my it. last name? I got it. Perfect. Oh, my goodness. That's tough, dude. That's the pressure right there. All right. Uh, we already nailed have the to. landing. All right. Yeah, yeah. Stuck it. I stuck the landing. All right. Well, hey, thanks for coming on, Craig. I, I really appreciate – hey, I appreciate what you do um, as a dad. I mean, I appreciate the effort that you put in, and it was one of the things I wanted to make sure we talk about yeah. is that – because that's not easy. Life, life, life happens to you too, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I've got uh, four boys – And my oldest actually just graduated this past year, so we're down to three boys in the house. And, you know, kind of one of my priorities was making it to their events. Um, And so last year, because my boys are getting a little older, I have one in high school and then I have two in middle school. One's a um, sixth grader, seventh grader, and then I have a sophomore and then a freshman in college. But last year I was, you know, approaching that kind of season of life where your kids are... Kind of almost getting to that point of where they have teachers who coach them as in part of the middle school program. So last year, I decided to coach my kids, my younger two, um, in football and in basketball and then in, in lacrosse. So <laughs> I coached for almost three, months, three seasons straight, which was probably a little bit of overcommitment. Um but it was just awesome being there, being with their friends.
1: But this um, is, but look, listen, to this Craig, you're developing young men from a point of view not only as a dad, but as the second most influential person, a teacher, sure. in their lives at the yeah. most critical age. They say developmentally, ooh, it gives me the chills to think about it. That's commitment.
0: Yeah, uh, it's and it's a lot of fun because I get to know these boys and. They're around my kids a lot, um, the other kids that I coach. So it's just fun to be there and talk about winning and losing and giving it your best um, and working on... But don't
1: you give them all trophies now, right? There's no winners, right? They just all get trophies, right? They just participation trophies. Isn't that the right way to do that now?
0: Yeah, you know, I don't know if we got participation. I was the head coach of the lacrosse team last year, and I never played lacrosse. Uh, I've been coaching it for three years now, so I've I'm a little bit smarter than the other dads, but I'm not necessarily a great coach, but one of the things, I used to work at a Christian camp for 18 years, uh, left that job this past February, but one of the things that we do there was we talk about something that we observed in them, something we appreciated about each camper, is what we did at camp, and so I ended the season this past year of just something that I appreciated that was unique and valuable that I saw in each kid. Um, at the end of the season, so I pulled them up, stood right next to them, and we just talked about kind of just something that is unique that I loved about them and that they offered to the team, and parents appreciate it because they can see that a, a coach gets to know their kid um, and that there's value in each person, but it's it's value in a different sense, meaning not everybody gets a trophy, but someone gets recognized for something that's unique about them, and I really appreciate that.
1: Mm. That's building foundations in people, not giving them something they didn't earn and participation stuff. I mean, the fact that they came, that's cool. Don't get me wrong. Right. But, and cause showing up is, is a big piece of it, but you know, building them up. So they're ready when you go to work and it's expected, you're going to be here, Craig. I mean, you, right. you know, you work from eight to four. I, I don't want to hear about your problems. I mean, you're, you're here at eight, right? And you're right. leaving at four, right? I don't want your challenges. Don't bring that stuff in. And right. so, By giving them that strong foundation, ooh, give me the chills. Second time today I got the chills from somebody. But it's very cool to me, again, because this is – do you see – you're looking at other coaches, and I don't want you to condemn anybody, but do you see the different styles um, and the results? I mean, do you have to undo some other coaches' stuff?
0: Yeah, you know, I think that there are coaches that just show up. And just try to endure the season, and really don't try to get, take the time to get to know people, or it's kind of that win at all cost coach, yeah, or a totally checked out coach. And so, you know, at the end of the season, I want them to improve in their skills. I want them to be committed to doing the best that they can. Not everybody, you know, like there's no cuts, there's no tryouts. So, you know, I'm just happy that they're there, and that they're wanting to get better. And, and at the end of the season, we actually did pretty well. Um, you know, for football, we actually won the championship, um, which was awesome. And in lacrosse, we ended up losing, I think, one game the entire season. So, you know, that's kind of fun to be there. But um, at the end of the day, you really want kids to be challenged um, because that's going to apply to their lives at the end of the day. It's not just getting a trophy and showing up. It's really about putting the work in and you know really trying your best at the end of the day
1: when when other dads look at you given all this time coaching and they're like you know what do you do for a living you know i mean what what you you sell you sell junk what you sell crap on amazon what how's this work right i mean is there a forlorn look in their eyes a whole bunch of times because you know i i think back to when i was a career not my oldest Is 32, I think. Yeah, he's 32. And when I think about, you know, making it to the games, but I was barely made it. You know, you're still in a suit and tie, and you're, you know, you're getting there for the last 20 minutes because you're running from a meeting or a dinner or blah 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 blah. And then I look at that dad that's in the outfit that's got all the is regalia the right word? I think that might be the right word. Who's got all the everything for whatever sport it was. And they're into it. And they were there. They were at every practice and this and that. I must admit, I, I, I longingly looked a little bit at that like, wow, that's got to yeah. be so cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's been awesome to be able to, to have the flexibility of, you know, when I work. I think most parents today, probably the community that I'm in as well, they're very uh, sports nutty. Bar, I'd say. You know, I don't know a better way to, but they're they drink the Kool Aid, especially when it comes to football. Um, oh yeah, so yeah, you're they're, crazy. They're if you're a football fan,
1: now. you're crazy, man. You're crazy.
0: Exactly. They're not always necessarily coaching, but a lot of them there are there for the practices, just kind of sitting and watching. Um, but you know, I think coaching stretches you uh, in a lot of ways. Cause you do have to be engaging with kids. You got to get to know parents. You're building a culture. Um, but then just having that time where you are getting to know kids and they're getting to know you, um, is special. So I know a lot of parents at the end of the season were, you know, grateful. And it gave me a whole appreciation for all the coaches that have poured into my kids.
1: Oh, I that you might I've, not have had.
0: Oh, totally. I, I was like, man, oh. You know, I should be thanking all the coaches that my kids ever had up and down because they're they're the heroes in a lot of aspects. They give up their time, they give up their energy, they give up their work. Um, and our football team that our, our two of our boys have been on, um, they kind of are traveling team. These coaches don't have a single kid on the team, and they've coached for like 10 years, and we're talking like fifth and sixth graders, and You know, they they coach three-hour practices four days a week. They do two games a week, and, uh, you know, they're they're the ones that put in the hours and the talent and the skill, and and they don't even have kids that are on the team, which is, to me, remarkable, and I'm like, I got to do my part if those guys are, you know, coaching my kids, and they don't even have kids, you know, like, they have kids on other teams, and yet they're still coaching this team. So that's
1: That's a special person, right? That is something that that's a gift. When um, when when you think about being a uh, entrepreneur now, right, Would you you would call yourself an entrepreneur, right? That's fair. Okay. All right. So when you think of yourself as an entrepreneur now, did you ever think that you had that in you when you look back? I mean, being honest, looking back, did you have that in you?
0: So my answer, I don't know, might surprise you, but you know, talking to my mom and looking back, I've been an entrepreneur at heart for a long time, oh. but I probably, I probably suppressed it. Uh, Why?
1: Why would you suppress it? I mean, were you forced to suppress it? Oh, no, like don't let those feelings come in, Greg. You're right. You're... right.
0: I, I think because you know there's safety in work,
1: ah.
0: and I was one of those people that. Uh, I kind of found out later in life what I felt like I was really good at, and it was like when I put that into action with my kind of my work, it was like, wow, this is this is who I am. And well, did it
1: become easy? Is that why? Like when you when you saw whatever that was and you did that, it was like, ooh, this feels yeah. right. It was easy, no effort.
0: Correct. So, ooh. in my uh, when I worked at the Christian camp, I was there for eighteen years. About my sixth year. We started a program that was kind of innovative and new, which was a day camp program that actually traveled. And so we partnered with organizations that were in local communities, whether it be a church or a school, and we'd host day camps at their place. And nobody at that time was doing it. They were all doing it at their overnight camp. And for me, that was like my brain was spinning all the time and I loved it. And it was coming up with ideas. It was about being creative uh, it was energizing, it was fun, um, and you're kind of building something, and so that's what I've realized about myself, is like oh. I'm a builder, I'm a creator, I like, I can see new and innovative ways that other people can't see, and that's the stuff that, you know, that's not work for me, that's fun.
1: So when you see, I mean, when you, A, do you see things as problems or challenges, first question? Yeah. Well, that's a question. I mean, which one do you see when you look at something that's not going right? Is it a problem or a challenge?
0: I think it's a challenge. Okay. I mean, yeah, I I would say, you know, are there are there different ways of looking at it? You know, when I see a wall, I kind of go, "Okay, I'm stuck here." But you know, what's the way to get around it? Is it over it, under it, around? You know, like there's there's definitely lots of ways to, um, and I'm flexible. So that's another thing about me is like I don't. I see the world more in gray than black and white sometimes.
1: Where's that come from? Why, why are you, why do you have that ability to see that? Cause I, you know, be honest about myself. I'd look at it and say, that's a problem. Yeah. And it's almost, and here's the problem with that. It's, it's a, it's an all or nothing. Yeah. Right. And that's a limit that it's self-imposed. I mean, I know it's me. I know that about me. Right. What, what makes you different there?
0: I don't know, you know, like I feel like I'm a very flexible person and, and because of the creative side, I feel like there's just a lot of ways to solve a problem. And so I definitely don't look at things more in black and white and, and I process over time. So, you know, by the time I'm implementing a decision, um, you know, I may have processed it over days, weeks, months. Um, and and I also so I'd say this about myself I try to be exposed to a lot of different things whether it be TV shows or while I'm walking down a an aisle at Walmart or you know watching The Prophet is one of my favorite TV shows like I'm just trying to pick up or reading a magazine reading a book just trying to pick up ideas and then how to apply it to my business my life um, so just constantly having your eyes open. And thinking of different possibilities
1: that might fit your situation. So you're not all knowing. No, you're you're open to new, (laughs) (laughs) right? You're not. You're not. um, You're not decided. I think that's another skill set. If you've not decided, because I'm pretty certain about a lot of things, and that's that's a limit. Again, I mean, I understand the limits that I come with, Um, and and that's that's kind of background. Were either of your parents entrepreneurs?
0: No, I don't believe so. I think my mom is fairly creative, but my dad was a doctor in the Army, and he was in the Army for 20-something, 25 years, and my mom was a nurse, stayed at home with us when we were young. Um, so, no, I don't, I, don't feel like, I feel like I'm a little bit different uh, in terms of I didn't grow up with entrepreneurial background from aunts, uncles, Grandma, grandpa, they were pretty much nine to five jobs, safety, that kind of stuff.
1: You use this phrase creative. That's interesting to me because what I would have went to would mean that you're an artist, right? Yeah. This is my limit of knowledge. I would sit back and say, oh, you must be a musician or you must be a uh, you know an artist who can paint or draw or something like that. That's generally what, at least in my little bubble, I would have been now I know better but that would have been it for me and creative. That would have been about it. I mean, honestly, I mean, I don't, I can't think of much more than that music or art, period. Yep. yep. Man, I guess yeah. writers, I guess writers would fit in there too. Right. But that would have been my limit. Is that how you define yourself or where where does creative work in your world?
0: Yeah, creative for me is really thinking outside the box. Um, on the strengths finder, I score pretty high in terms of, Futuristic, um, and so I, I, I kind of have come to that realization that I really am—I'm not a today guy. I'm really about a future guy. So if you want me to, you know, be an accountant, I will fail miserably. <laughs> but if you want me to solve, you know, a six-month-out problem or a month-out problem, or look at an opportunity that's coming up, like that—that's where my brain just spends a ton of time, and I can see around corners. And I don't mean that to brag, but like, because I really am, I'm stinky at the detail stuff. Um, but just kind of like seeing different ways of putting things together to solve a problem or to create an opportunity that doesn't exist in the marketplace. I mean, do yeah, you look,
1: do you look around like that, in that example, do you see, can you see the alternatives and then run them through in your mind? Is that kind of how the approach works?
0: Yep. Yeah. No so I'll kidding.
1: Dude, that's creepy.
0: Doing, <laughs> <laughs> we're actually doing that we're, we're so going into 2019, we're changing our business model because of an opportunity that I saw in a different application and said, "Hey, if that can of uh, that can work for them, it can work for us." And and I would say 99% of other people don't see that opportunity. It, there's risk too, so I'll say that. Like sometimes creativity also is stepping out because no other people are stepping into that arena. So you 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 definitely have to have that willingness to take on that risk. Um, but it's kind of a, it's a it's a fun thing to do when you're kind of like nobody else is doing that. We can be first to market um, and really change the dynamics of the game. Um, and I love that. <laughs> well, what I'll are you looking at to figure that time.
1: out? I mean, what do you what do you? I mean, and don't give away your secret sauce, of sure. course. But I mean, what are you looking at? To see, I mean, I agree with you. When when everybody's going one way and you see the opportunity going the other way, man, you got such a big advantage, right? You know, I say that about electric cars. I I still, you know, I just saw a a thing posted today that says two or three in five plan on buying an electric car. Now, you know, they're not there yet. Right. What happens to the gas stations of the world? What happens to the, uh, the auto shops and stuff like that, right? Because the electric car has 18 parts where a regular car has 4,000. Right. If, if somebody buys those gas stations knowing that the land is premium location and, you know, whatever, that's a visionary, right? So, so those yeah. are the things I go to. What do you look for?
0: You know, I just look at market opportunities, and I don't know how to describe it without giving (laughs) somewhat of the process, Uh, but just kind of what's... what's,
1: Well, you can wet our appetite just a smidge.
0: Sure, sure. So it's kind of like the other thing is, where am I experiencing pain points? That's the other Uh, part is, if I'm struggling somewhere, um, how how do I correct that issue that I'm struggling with and maybe have struggled with for quite some time? And so my brain will... Stay there um, and just look at all solutions. And I, I am, I, you know, in my former job, in my current position, I have one other guy that works with me full time. Um, I am constantly bouncing ideas off. And, you know, for the realists out that are out there, they're kind of like, no, that will never work or, you know, tell me more. And that will, you know, like I'll, I'll hear a lot of no's from people, which I'm, I'm fine with. I move on very quickly because I throw out ideas all the time. Um, but then if there's like a, Oh, that might work, you know, but we got to figure out more. That's when I know like, Hey, we're potentially on to something. And that's, that's where I like to live. Now I'm not the execution guy of that.
1: Ah, This is um, the person that works for you. He's the executioner.
0: Yep. So a guy that I work Bad with term. at our Christian camp, he's an engineer by background. He's a detail guy. He loves spreadsheets. He loves standard operating procedures. That is not how I live day to day. Um, And so we we complement each other really well. And because we worked together for 16 years, you know, like we know how each other thinks and operates. So there's not that. The adjustment period was very, very quick. Mm. He didn't know anything about Amazon. Uh, but because we knew each other, that was, that was awesome for us. And we got, we got moving real fast because of that.
1: So it's not uncomfortable for you to give up that control because you realize that that's short, that's your shortcomings.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it, I did that with the day camp program that I started. It grew from, you know, brand new and within 10 years, we were serving about ten fifteen thousand 15,000 campers. Wow. Uh, in eight states. So, I mean, it exploded. But I'm like, if I'm leading the day-to-day, this thing is not going to grow. So I I am very comfortable giving up, you know, power or authority where I don't have expertise. I still have vision, uh, but I I definitely am not the day-to-day guy. And, you know, you have to rely on those folks to, to execute for
1: you. But that sounds expensive, Craig. I mean, that sounds like a cost... You know, I always think back to when I asked um the wholesale formula guys, um, Dan yep. and Eric, their first hire was uh uh their marketing guy. And I mean they had warehouse people, I don't mean it that way, yep. but, but the value that he brought their team, which brought them wholesale accounts and that kind of thing, right, Dylan. Yep. But yep. but it was just it that goes against everything. Those are the positions you save. Everybody's gotta you know, it's bootstraps. Pull yourself up at your bootstraps, Craig. Don't yep. don't spend the money. How do, you, how do you get past that? Because that's a fear, a limit, right? That's a yep. limiting belief and a fear. How did you push past that?
0: I look at, because you asked a great question, is that a problem or a challenge? To me, I look at the opportunity and go, if I, if I don't hire this person, where am I going to stay? So I was a solo entrepreneur. I was treading water. And I'm like, if I want to scale this, I've got to make the investment. And I always think about what's my payoff? Like, what what do I need to achieve to hit that? So even if I break even at adding that person, what is that going to do in terms of freeing me up to do what I do best?
1: So you see only upside there. Correct. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) So you're only looking at the level of, uh, ooh, dude. (laughs) No, that's a glass half full or a glass empty. I mean, that's really it, optimist or pessimist, period. Yeah period. So you're an optimist only saying, Oh, well, it's going to be an upside because he's going to do at least something for him, Even if he sweeps the floors, it's better that you don't have to do it. So you're right. looking at it from that point of view, every bit of value he adds. Oh my goodness. Craig, yeah. that's and a we gift.
0: Were, and we were scaling too. So I could see that. Um, so my last year versus this year is night and day. And I knew that I needed the help to get ahead And so, yeah, there was a level of fear, sure, but if I didn't do it, you know, the whole thing could collapse too (laughs) because I couldn't do it all myself and it wouldn't be healthy if I did it all myself. Um, So like right now, this year compared to last year, I just closed out last month and it was 10x the prior year. Jesus.
1: And and you're going to attribute, I mean, this is... Is one plus one equals three or four, not two? Correct? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Hmm.
1: That's so mature. It's so uh, how, well. I mean, I guess I'm sitting back and thinking: is how much, how much does he know? I mean, how obviously you were comfortable with him because you would worked so long together. You knew his skill right. sets, and they complemented yours. He knew what kind of boss you were, what kind of stress yes. level you're going to bring him because that's a big deal today because everybody yes. has options and I think it's so important for people to realize, you know, you're, you're lucky to get a paycheck. Nope, not today. You know, in my yes. town, you can make $25 an hour unloading boxes in any warehouse. Pick a warehouse. There's, there's, yes. I think there's 65 of them in my town. So, and they're all competing for the same people, right? So right. they have, all have options. So you really do have to be more mindful of that. But in your case, how, how, how do you get, And I guess it's not the fear there. It's the fear of now you're giving him, hey, this is my open books. I mean, because you're, you know, it's one thing about bringing somebody in that world. They get to see it all.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I I really knew that if I was going to hire a second person, I mean, this was the guy that I had in mind because I trust him. I know his skill set. He knows my skill set. We really do complement each other. And I truly, so this may... I have truly handed off my operations to him. He is running all my financials. You know, he is negotiating with suppliers. Um, My role is really about kind of what the next opportunity is finding products, um, listing them, marketing them. And so I truly have given him, as you say, you know, the keys to the kingdom, the open book. Um, But I've, I've, I'm kind of more wired that way. I do trust people more than I distrust them. So yeah, again, you're uh, that optimist.
1: You see everything is only upside. You know, how about this? Let me ask this question because I think this is a, a powerful one. When, um, when, how do you cast a vision? to show him the upside? Because it sounds like to me, because it sounds like he could go do this himself, right? I mean, we're all sitting here, everybody listening to this is saying, well, geez, that guy can just go do his own, and make his own uh, water bottles as I'm looking at my desk, right? He can yeah. just bring them all from China. He knows how to do it or he can yeah. do wholesale. How do you, it must be, how do you cast a vision to say, you know, hey, Bob, um, you could do it yourself and this and that, yeah. but but together we could be so much more. Yep.
0: Yeah. No, That's a really good question. I, something that has surprised me is I don't think entrepreneurial self or entrepreneurship is uh, contagious or it's, Uh it's something that people like to do. So there are really, really bright and gifted people who just are super fearful. And I've talked to multiple people who are way smarter than I am, but they're like, I would never do what you're doing yet. And yet they're writing computer software programs like from scratch for a, a mega mega organization, I'm like, well, you're an entrepreneur. And like, well, no, someone has to tell me where to go, and then I'll go do that. And I, I don't, to me, he can do that. I, I guess the way that I cast vision, I'm also a numbers guy. So even though I don't love the detail, um, I can project growth and opportunity by products that we can bring to market. Um, and so that excites both of us. Now, he has, he has part share in the profits. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, you're going to have uh, to—there must be an upside that you share, right, logically. Correct. And, and that, I, I, that's hard to do.
0: Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not as money-driven, but I—part I, of—so I'm willing to give profits away to people that I love and people that I connect with and people that I trust and people that are performing— I don't want to give equity away or assets. I think that's the harder part. And part of that is because it makes decision-making a little bit more challenging. That's
1: long-term.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he gets a portion of the profits. Um, And because we both came from the nonprofit world for many, many years, like he has the ability to double his salary, you know, this next year. But, His salary was matched by working for me, and then the profit-based was basically the opportunity to double his salary.
1: Okay, so the upside is: hey, we all eat if we, you know, uh, if we kill. I don't want to use that phrase. If we, uh, if we uh, grow, we all get the benefit of it. If we don't grow, we all feel the pain of it. Um, Correct. And then giving him the freedom to do it. And how do you? How do you? when you're casting a vision again, because I, this vision, everything has me intrigued when you're casting a vision, how deep does it go? So, Hey, we're going to bring in six new products next year. Uh, and you know, and, and you're, you're feeling everybody out and you get the vibe. Okay. Yeah. They seem like a go. Where does your level stop in his start?
0: Um, so I get it through the, uh, ordering process. First time first time, yeah, and then kind of when it gets to the inspection and we're about to ship it and like all the transactions of dollars, I'm handing that over to him and part of it is the simplicity rather than me being the middleman. I want the product to be designed in such a way or to be produced in such a way and you know, I can answer those questions, the packaging, the inserts, that kind of stuff. but he he gets the, hey, I need to handle the financials. I need to handle the appropriate inventory, when it's going to arrive, you know, how it's going to be shipped, where it's going to be shipped. Um, that's the ex- execution operations side.
1: Now, how about when, when you're in that design phase, you're bringing in samples and stuff like that. Is he involved in that level, you know, to say, hey, this is what I'm working on. This is the water bottle that I'm doing yeah. right here. Okay. And so there's yeah. buy-in. He gets a chance to say some things and...
0: He does. And then one of the other things that we have done um, on some of our products is, and you may be familiar with it, but it's PickFu.com. Have mm-hmm. you heard of PickFu? I have, yes. So that's something that we test, you know, colors, design, size. Um, so just giving the audience kind of a simple sample. And that's that's been helpful as well, because I'll believe something is going to be amazing and he might believe differently. And so we test it with a, a sample audience, and you within an hour or two, you get good feedback on. You Sometimes know, like, you don't talk. like it. <laughs> no, you don't like it, but you. The, I love it. I love the feedback as well. Like why they picked A versus B, or you know, they just they give you a lot of insight. Um, so I don't always. I'm I'm be, I'm relying more on PickFu, Um over time because it 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 does truly say yep your your intuition was really good or your intuition is really bad um and and then you have to live with that
1: when 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 your intuition is bad, is it all bad or is it off? maybe that's a better way to say it than bad yeah
0: I don't yeah I would say it's not bad because I think that it would still sell you're just trying to make sure that you're maximizing the market at the end of the day so it's not like they don't they, they hate the product, but it's kind of like where their preferences lie. Okay. So uh, it's not like you're going to be at a total dud, but it could save you some you know you might need to rethink something um, to, to bump your score up, so to speak, or make one way better than the other.
1: When you're describing a lot of wins here, and this is one of the challenges that, you know, I get a lot of people who say that, Steve, you know, you're putting on people and they're all successful. And I'm like, well, success is relative, you know, and the the thing I keep saying to people is, you know, Craig, you could be more successful if you weren't coaching three teams, right? You could give that many hours, whatever. It sounds like a lot of hours. You could put that into your job, but you're not willing to. And that cost... Right makes that success relative to you, and so there are differences, right? And I think people—that's—that's that's what I always try to to put upon people. Um, how do you how do you pick yourself up when things don't go well? Because it sounds like you got a lot of wins, but not yeah. everything wins, right? Not everything's good,
0: right? No, I mess up constantly.
1: <laughs> um,
0: so yeah, no, it's there's there's constant challenges. You know, I'm working harder. Uh, now that I'm, you know, self-employed and an entrepreneur, um, but I, I think I probably take a lot more at bats and see it as uh, a sports. I knew sports was going to
1: come into this. There's no way it wouldn't. The coach is coming out,
0: <laughs> right? So, you know, I've, I've got definitely a lot of strikeouts over time, and I, I'd say one of the things that we face constantly that's been a frustration. You know, when you when when I talk about, there's been months that we 10x our sales, uh, inventory management has been just painful for us Mm. because it's really hard to predict, you know, how much to keep in stock and when your suppliers are going to get you that stuff and not being overstocked, um, having it at the right time. And so, you know, that I feel like I've failed at that or missed out on the opportunity when it comes to inventory management pretty much this entire year. And that's been really frustrating.
1: So, so what are you doing to adjust from that, right? Because it, uh, first off, recognizing you have a problem, Craig, is the first yeah. step, right? So that's good, right? You admit it. Yeah. Say, okay, I got a problem. Is this, is this when you and the engineer sit down and say, okay, what's our best thinking, or do you reach out to help for help? Do you reach out to others? Uh, what, what's your process? Because it yeah. sounds it's like it's real.
0: Yeah, it's real. And he started full time with me at the beginning of June, so okay. he has not we've not worked together that long. And again, he had no Amazon selling experience. He had bought a few items from Amazon. So Amazon was fairly new to him. Um, so we sit down, we talk, and, and part of it is we've, we've tested with different suppliers. We actually have suppliers domestically and we also have uh, suppliers in China and there's been quality issues. So we, we've just been like, okay, how do we manage this? And what what are the pitfalls? Like, why are we short? Um, and part of it is quality issues. So when we get shipped some stuff, most of it's domestic where we have some issues quality wise, you know, we might order 10,000 units. And then by the time we process through them, three or 4,000 of them might be bad. <laughs> wow. So you could be out of inventory. So he's like, holding our suppliers more accountable. We're paying more because domestic suppliers don't always come with quality control. Sometimes, you know, you're getting a cheap price for a reason. And so now we've negotiated we're gonna pay you more, but we, we're not gonna receive any bad inventory.
1: No now that that goes counterintuitive to what everybody believes because the belief is is that if it's you're saying domestic, meaning coming from the US, yep. um, is worse in your in your experience, your yep. statement, than what you're receiving from China. Now China, a lot of it is because it's become so uh, I don't wanna say compartmentalized, it's become so just routine to have an inspection done. I mean, it's all those things, those processes are in place now, it seems, because there's so many new e-commerce sellers just demanding new products. And so it's, it's almost like rote at this point, yeah. And if, if you're doing it right. It's interesting to hear you say that that's not your experience with U.S. manufacturers. Is it? Is it because they've rested on their laurels? I mean, I don't mean it as a criticism, but I mean, they just didn't have to worry about it in the past?
0: I think so, and I don't think they got a lot of... I mean, part of it is I deal with mainly just one U.S. supplier at this point, and they either didn't have anybody holding them accountable, and they just, you know, they were the cheap price option, and so I think that they really don't... Quality doesn't matter to them as much. Uh, okay. And so, you know, it's like, you're getting a good price, so why are you complaining? Um even though, you know, we hadn't done the math or I hadn't done the math. Right. We
1: would call that obsolescence in the old accounting world. That would have been just obsolete. Yeah, you know, yeah, a t- little bit of them are bad. But overall, you're getting a good Correct. deal, Craig.
0: Correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and I, I, I agree with this statement. I feel like China is very, there's just a, a formula almost in terms of the quality process. Now, you still have to do work in it, but the inspection is very much part of the process where in the United States, it's just not obvious that there are people who would go into companies and inspect product before it gets shipped to you. It just doesn't, you kind of rely on that company to manage quality control. And when the company really doesn't, you know, you kind of wonder what your options are. At at this scale, you know, like if I was, you know, multi-million or billion dollar organization, you probably could put those quality control people into. Factories. You'd have
1: your team over there, yeah. They'd be yeah. that serve full time job over there, and there are companies that do, right? They have a Chinese team, right? There. But imagine a U.S. team, Craig. That's interesting. You're the first person to say that, and it it fascinates me. But I I can see that as manufacturing starts to pick up, and it's interesting. um, We share a warehouse, Andy and I do, and there's a lighting company in here. And he was buying all his lighting from China, but the quality control was the issue. Couldn't do it. So now he manufactured, 95% of it is manufactured in the U.S. He said, this last 5%, I can't get. China's the only place you can get it. But he's going to be able to call himself a, a, a U.S. manufacturer. But it was the standards. He's doing the assembly. He, so he had to move out of our building because they have two buildings here. This one's only for distribution. We're allowed zoning. <laughs> the, the other building they own next door is for manufacturing. So he had to yep. move over there and then to fix his problem, which right. was quality control. And and so now you're seeing he's a U.S. manufacturer of lighting. Um, and yet you could buy it a heck of a lot cheaper from China. But he's now... In the U.S., doing it and doing it himself because even this stuff, as he said, as you said, he couldn't get the control he wanted, so he's doing it himself. Yeah, hmm. very interesting.
0: Oh, uh, uh, that's it's it's and it actually is a strategy. Yeah, you know, there's so many business strategies out there. That is a strategy that can work to be a reliable, high quality. You know, there there's definitely pros and cons with that strategy. You're more hands on. You're building a team. You just have different types of headaches than just. Yeah. You know, ordering it from China, you don't have to think about if an employee shows up for work or not, whereas when you do it on your own, you know, you're just you're opening up more management that you didn't necessarily have to do as an entrepreneur before.
1: you got to be certain of which way you want to go because it's a different – you're running a different business then, right? Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, one of the things I want to talk to you about – now, you've had success – um, and yet, you chose to invest in yourself and spend money with Andy and Leron and Nate with amazing freedom. And, and they are sponsors of my show. Yes, I do. They pay me, so I don't want any. We're not. I'm not pitching their stuff. Right. But I'm interested that you know. To be honest, let's be real, candid, and honest. You didn't need them, right? You you were you were already in your own world doing stuff. Right. Why? why would you spend a lot of money and you spend a lot of money to go to a retreat? You spend a lot of money getting in their course. Why would you do that? Um, Because most people would say you could just, you've already done it, Craig, you already understand all those things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's always about kind of that ROI. Hmm. So in the way that I always look at things is, can I break even? (laughs) So if I go to this retreat and spend the money to go to this retreat, Will I gain back the money that I invested, if not more? You know, like I basically am. Am I covering my bets, and is there an upside?
1: Well, and that's that's a. I want to stop there because what's it, it, the only downside would have been lost money, right, and lost time. Right. Period. That's it, right? I mean, it's not like you're gonna. There's you know, it's not like you're gonna lose a limb, right? So there, right. there's the whole downside, right? And so it's very calculated. Hmm.
0: And I I now have friendships, relationships. Um, You know, I can ask Andy or Leron questions in a different way because we have a relationship. And I think that's a very helpful thing for me, especially if you're talking about issues that other people may not be where I am. You know, those guys are ahead of me. So I can ask them specific questions that they're going to know answers to that are not They're not common because they're not, you know, if you're a seven-figure seller, you know, you just have different questions than someone who's just starting out in private label. So,
1: And so you don't have, you bought time then. In essence, you bought time because you don't have to, you don't have to sit, siphon through and sift through all these, uh, all these different things. You you have the ability to get right to the point, get your answer so you can move right on. And so that's, that's, hmm. Did you take that into consideration in your calculation when you were looking at for an ROI?
0: In terms of that I get my my payment back?
1: Yeah, you know, cause I, I, and I don't know how to quantify that, right? You know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about that, though, when you talk about getting an ROI, because the ROI would be, well, you know, I'm going to bring in revenue or I'm going to reduce expense, period, Steve. That's it, right? I mean, that's, that's the way return of investment is. But yep. in this scenario, the fact that you're gaining time every time you get a direct answer to a direct question without having to filter it, you know, without having to sift through <laughs> you're gaining time. So right. were you, did you use that in your math or is that all bonus plus stuff?
0: That's all bonus plus stuff. I mean, to me it's hmm. what are the, what are the things that I can get answered faster or better? So the other the other way to look at it is not only just a faster answer but also saving me from mistakes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
0: if I go down path A, you know, let's say it's a software decision, or it's a setup decision or it's an accounting decision, you know, and and those guys have the answer because they've done it, you know, that it just, it just helps move that forward, that relationship. And here's the other thing that it, you know, I, this is, this is how I learned and it goes back to the beginning of the interview. I'm always, my antenna are up big time when I'm at something like that. So listening to like Paul talk about licensing you know, like my brain had never really processed licensing. And now it's like, oh my word, this a whole new world. Now I don't have licensing or anything like that. But just for me, it was like, wow, I just learned a whole new opportunity that I hadn't even considered before. And so it makes me look at products differently, um, going, can I license this? Um, and that was just one presenter. <laughs>
1: so yeah. you're know, like,
0: there's other presenters that are presenting other material. You're like, what are my takeaways? And that could totally transform anybody that does Paul's method with licensing.
1: Paul Miller. Mm-hmm.
0: You, you can't calculate the ROI on that because it's enormous if you can get into that. So,
1: hmm. You know, it's, I think it's, it's a mindset. It's the approach. You went into it with that mindset that there's only upside. Um, the question is really how much upside. And I think that, that that's back to the beginning of the conversation. That seems to be your superpower. One of the other things that I think you can help people with is scale because you've been able to scale. Now, you know, we already heard part of it is you hiring you're hiring your weaknesses or or maybe they're not weaknesses, things you're not interested in. Correct. Maybe so. I mean, and to me, I think that's just as powerful. If you yeah. can't be interested in it, that means there's no passion and you're not in. But if 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 your guy, Bob, I'm gonna call this right. guy Bob, is his, that's his is thing.
0: Keith. <laughs> you can call him Keith. What's his name? His name is Keith.
1: Oh, if Keith good job, Keith. Pat hey, on the back. Awesome Keith. job, Keith. Yeah, awesome job, Keith. But if if Keith that's his thing and that's his lane and he's excelling in it, it's because he's in he's in, you know, he's in it. And right. so um Let's talk about scale.
0: Yeah, for me, so I started on Amazon late 2015, really had no understanding of how to do it, had a first Q4, went better than I expected. Again, and I was trying to get my ROI, whatever I invested in, courses, classes, uh, and then I actually, I kind of stumbled on private label fairly early on in 2016. I joined a mastermind group which again, I hadn't sold a ton, but I'm like, if I can learn from coaches that can really help me scale, um, you know, this will, I just can get my money back. So (laughs) I invested, I think it was about $5,000 and one of my coaches was Brandon Andrews, who's a PL. Um, I don't know if he'd like to be called the word guru, but he's awesome as well. Um, you know, just really helped me see the power of private label. And so, I kind of started small. Again, I was working at a Christian camp full-time and because of that growth of day camps, we were in multiple states. So I would pretty much from May until late August be traveling throughout the summer. So my business really almost shut down for four to five months of the year. So I needed something that I could step away and step back into and private label was kind of that opportunity. Anyway. I finished 2016, I think, with about 250,000 in sales. I can't remember exactly. And then 2017, I finished with about just under 600,000 in sales last year. And this year, we're on pace, I think, to do about two and a half to three million. And again, I talked a little bit about changing our business model. Our hope is that next year that turns into six million, up to 10 million. Um, and so it really is about thinking, planning ahead, and what infrastructure do we need?
1: Yeah, because it's way different, right? I mean, it's totally. way different.
0: And I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm a, a long-term view guy. I'm not a short-term. So if I don't take a lot of profits today because I can build next year's business, I'm totally good with that. You know, like I'd rather not have a huge bank account. Today, if I can build a business for tomorrow, that's really going to continue to grow and expand. Um,
1: well, let me ask you a question there because that's important. Now that you have somebody else who has a vested interest in that, because this is what let me let me liken it to this. One of the biggest challenges today is uh, um, corporate America, the publicly traded companies. Yes. The investors are not thinking long term; they're looking for their return today because most of the investors are you know funds right? They they don't care. They aren't looking 10 years out. They're looking to make money this quarter for their people. How do you, again, cast a vision to say, Keith, have faith. We have a plan. We've got to execute on the plan, right? I mean, that's, that's real.
0: Yeah. So Keith and I think a lot alike in some respects. I mean, we're very different in terms of gift and skill sets, but we've talked about, we, we just picked up a book, in the last two months, and started implementing it called Profit First. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of that.
1: I, I just met the author. We we hung out together in Philly. Um, I'm going to have him on. Um, he, he's a Greek. He just wrote another book too, but he is sharp. That dude.
0: He is awesome. And he he's is super sharp. Fun. Um, if you can listen on Audible, I would recommend it. We actually have I have a you know a hard copy and Audible, but he's just entertaining, but super smart. And you know he's made a ton of mistakes, and so he created this. Fairly simple system, but it really is about you know calculating profits, and it also is about not taking too much out of the, the piggy bank, so to speak, and starving the business. And so it really gives a lot of good safety nets. Um, and so Keith also has a long-term view. This is the end of the quarter coming up, and so we both can draw on profits.
1: Um, oh, that's okay, important. that's a pro tip. So it's a quarterly profit number.
0: It is a quarterly, and they only take. So every time you get paid from Amazon, I know other people listen that don't sell on Amazon, but every every two weeks we get a check, we split it into different buckets. So there's a tax bucket, there's a salary bucket, there's a profit bucket, there's an operating expense bucket. I'm missing one uh, other one, so someone would know. But you kind of like start to divide that out, so it automatically pays you it pays your profits, it saves for taxes. So there's really not a lot of surprises and it really is a healthy way because I'd say last year I was always like, "Oh crap, how am I going to come up with all those taxes that I right. now Cash have?" Right.
1: Cash flow is the biggest problem in this business, right?
0: Exactly. So this kind of solves that in Keith's mindset. So we're about to come to our quarterly profit taking, but we know that we're investing to scale and, you know, Keith Keith and I feel, you know, I want to give him his money before I get mine. But he's like, hey, can we take our profits at the end of Q4 <laughs> so we have money that we can put into inventory? So like, he's um... coming and saying, and I, I totally agree. It's like, yeah, like, I want all my money to go into inventory so that you know, we can scale this business.
1: Hmm. As I sit back and I think about that, that does take a special kind of person because again, most shareholders would want the money immediately. Gotta take my money yep. immediately. But but he sees that there's probably not a better investment than putting it in. It's like you know, letting it ride almost. But when there's only like two numbers on the wheel, right? right. Is that kind of a weird way to say it? You know, it's like win or lose, or yep. you know, and 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 so he's like, eh, that's a better risk. I like that. And that's again, did you have to? Did you did you let him listen to the prophet first, or did he come with that mindset already?
0: You know, he and I are pretty frugal overall, uh, but I found the book, and I can't remember how I got wind of it. But I listened to it on Audible; absolutely loved it. Said, "Hey, Keith, you you should listen to this. Buy the book," and uh, he did. I mean, he bought it that same day. I think he was listening to it. Um, and was like, man, this makes total sense. And we worked, we worked for our, that Christian camp, and we always were struggling every year to make, meet budget. It was just kind of like one of those things where we had experienced kind of not hitting budget for multiple years in a row and just being short and cash was always tight. And so I think that's trained us to say we don't want to live that again. And it's much easier when you're, you know, just a two-man show to yeah. kind of make decisions, um, but I think we've we've experienced the pain of it that it was kind of like we want to be healthy at the end of the day, and healthy is a long-term thing. It's not a quick fix. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, you've got to invest into smart decisions. That's going to be healthy in the long term, and, and Profit First truly does set you up to do that.
1: You know, it's funny you mentioned health. Um, you and I share a passion for health, trying to get healthy. We're both about the same weight. I think I'm a smidge older than you Um, and we're in a group of uh, happen to be all men. It wasn't by design, but it is, and we're all kind of following the same thing, but it's a very encouraging group because we're all trying to, to really, because the understanding that your health is your freedom is such a big deal. Um, There's no way you could have coached those boys had you not had your health, right? There's no way um, that long-term you could look three to five years out with this plan to grow to, you know, eight figures without, um, uh, seven figures. Sorry. Right, I, I right. got you an eight figures, Sorry about that. No pressure. no pressure, no pressure, but, but seven figures is, you know, without your health and that's mental right. and physical. And so I think it's just so important when, when you look at, um, I, can I add to what you just yeah, said? go for it. Yeah, please. I, I totally
0: agree. I feel like health has been kind of the freeing element. Like it kind of creates this, you have more fuel in the engine, so to speak. You're not dragging, you you just got this energy that's just different, and you feel different. And I, I you know like my posture is different. Uh, so you know I I let my health slide when you're raising kids. You kind of like are going going going. You can grab meals when you can. You're eating a lot of fast. You can food. eat those
1: French fries at the baseball <laughs> game, right? Those, right. those they, they're so good, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> and your
0: brain's completely checked out. You know, like you're not even thinking. Like yeah, what am I do? It's Mindless. I'm just putting food in my mouth, I, I, so I totally think differently. But I, I, one thing that I'd like to say about that group, and it's not so necessarily just this group because you can get it in other places, but I think there's a level of accountability. And I used to think of accountability as a really bad word because I'm a flexible guy. I like to do whatever I want day to day, and I don't want to be so, you know, tied into some schedule or formula. And, but yet this accountability of people that they have my back, And they want what's best for me, as I do for them. Like, if you're a solo entrepreneur, I'd say partner with somebody who's not necessarily doing the same thing you are, but, you know, like, they could still be private label. But have that accountability where you can check in, and they're helping you towards your goals. They're giving you feedback. Um, They're giving you tools and tips. I mean, this group has been so helpful for me on a health-wise, and I'm not an expert, and I learn things new. Um, But it's fun. It's engaging. It's not a negative accountability. It's not a boss accountability, so to speak. It's like, hey, I'm a friend who wants what's best for you. And we're on this journey together. And that's, that's super powerful. And that's been a game changer for me that I really didn't appreciate before joining that
1: group you know you i think you said this that you would have never stuck with this had you not had that group and i that is so andy was here today and we sat here talking about it both of us would have been on to the next fad diet right we would have all jumped right on but now there's a whole group of us we have a new person who just joined and all i see is encouragement like hey you know and and he's asking the right questions and it's just so cool again because it's so freeing i mean it's like freeing to me When you see that, and like you said, nobody's holding you accountable, but at the potential, I I guess we're back to the beginning of the conversation. You start to see the potential and you're like, well, maybe, maybe I can do this, you know, maybe, maybe I can make it, you know, um, to that next level. And this is the longest, you know, I think by far in that group, I think almost every single person would say this is the longest they've been committed to something without giving up. Uh, I think most people would say that, right?
0: Totally, you know, it's it is it's been amazing because I would have lasted, I would say probably two weeks.
1: Yeah, two weeks. That's usually what it is. And need to go back to your old habits. That's how I always yeah. used to say when I change something in a company. I'd go in and they'd bring me in to fix it. I'm like, it's going to work for two weeks, and then we're going to slip right back. So let's get through that next pain point, and yep. then we'll get to that next place. And and uh, so, all right. So I think um, where I was going to go, and I just want to, uh, because I don't, I don't want to take it out too long. Um, I want to make sure that we, we talk about fear, okay? Because I think, I think that, that you have this gift of optimism, and I think that that is an absolute gift because you got trust and you see things and you have this, this kind of ability to see things that others don't see, right? You know, uh, the Bruce Willis quote, I see dead people, or the guy in that movie, <laughs> I see dead people, right? So, but there's still a fear. How do you get past that point of fear? Because it still has to creep into your life. right.
0: Well, it's definitely the, the fear of the, the unknown Mm. and, you know, that taking that risk. Um, and when you hire somebody else, you know, you're now taking on another family, um, who's counting on you. And so it's one of those things where you really do have to process through. Um, but a lot of it is just, it's truly is mental. So, I think facing on and saying, okay, is this, our, is this the first time anybody has done something like this? Kind of thinking outside of yourself and saying, it, "In what I'm doing kind of has never been done before. And I don't mean that in a business model perspective, but just like taking on risk, growing, taking on more employees. I think that's where most people shut down is because they kind of keep looking at their skill set and saying it can't be done and I have that same thing. It's, I have a more of a fear of success Hmm. that, you know, there's risk involved. I'm going to be challenged. I don't have what it takes to do this. Um, and so stepping out and experiencing pain, experiencing things that, you know, you really aren't an expert on, that's out of your comfort zone. Like those are, those are very powerful things when you get on the other side of them and they only make you stronger And they tend to build like muscle. So when you face your fear, you are not only kind of helping your business, but you're building a muscle that will get you through that pain point when it comes on to the next challenge in life, whatever it is, because you really don't know. And so you're trying to, in my instance, it's more like I'm going to go after this and I have to persevere and I'm going to get it wrong. And I'm totally good with getting things wrong. I do it all the time. Like I guess wrong all the time, but that's part of growing. You learn from that, and hopefully you don't make that same mistake again. But you got to step out, otherwise your business won't scale, and um, it's just it can be frustrating and limiting. And and at the end of the day, you're kind of letting yourself down. Um, And that's kind of like with this health group. (laughs) You know, like when I kept giving up on a diet, I just was letting myself down over and over. And so I kind of tie it back to that as. I've got to learn to persevere and stick through when things are hard and things I don't like and things that aren't comfortable and walking into the unknown Um, because it's going to make me a better person and hopefully a better example to my kids and others that are around me that, you know, like these are not impossible barriers, but you got to work at them and they're not, they're not going to come easy. There's not always a simple formula or a magic bullet. Um, that's going to fix every single thing. And uh, nice. I, I just always hear like the hardest things in life sometimes are the best things in life. You know, like they're, they're the things that are going to grow you the most, even though they're really challenging at the time. They're really worth it in the end. And that's a powerful
1: lesson to learn. you the coach. This is the coach right here. We're back to sports. <laughs> but it's absolutely true. How many times have you told that kid that, and yet you can tell them that, and you don't believe it yourself, right? So that's right. very powerful. There a couple takeaways I'm going to take from this conversation. First off, building out your fear muscle. I love that. I think that's such a great example, right? You got to build it out. You got to get through the pain. You're going to have to get. It's going to hurt, but it's going to get bigger. It's going to get better. So build that yep. muscle out. Mitigating risk. Um, the way you describe mitigating risk by using, you know, the pick four by using. Um, I'm sorry. Pick I mean, four. Yeah. By using. Um, Profit first to help minimize risk. I think that that's powerful stuff that a lot of people aren't doing. And so that also reduces fear, right?
0: Yep. Yep. Absolutely.
1: So, okay. So the goal of, well, let me ask this first. If somebody wants to follow up with a follow-up question, what's the best way to get you?
0: Uh, Facebook
1: is okay. fine and I'll put your uh, link there so it's Facebook Messenger and I'll, I'll put a link there on this episode um, so the goal of this podcast is to help people get past the point of stuck and you know coach Craig you know <laughs> we're that fifth grade class man we're, we're, we're struggling we're struggling we're gonna you know we're we're down the team is down right Our yep. last guy's up to bat, and it's we're losing something fierce what's your best advice to get people past that point of stuck
0: to take action. I mean, that's, I think that's, I, I actually help coach and I work with other people, um, as well. And I have a lot of people who ask me for private label advice. And, you know, for me, I, I tell people there is no perfect private label product. I think people are they're just looking for this, you know, mysterious, <laughs> amazing, um, you know, unicorn to jump out and go, Oh, I found the perfect product. Well, it won't last perfect for long. So, Sometimes it's take action on things that, you know, you can control. They're a step in the right direction. I talk about base hits versus home runs. You know, people always want to hit home runs, but it's like, you know what, build the base hits and eventually you're going to get home runs. But if you only go for home runs, you know, get used to striking out a lot. But at the end of the day, you want to get up to the plate and you want to make progress. So to me, it's continuing to take action at the end of the day. And not, I think people get analysis paralysis and, you know, like they just overthink things. And to me, you know, the lessons that are learned are taking action and going, okay, what went what went well? What didn't go well? How can I adjust? How can I pivot from here um, without necessarily sinking the ship too? So you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, foreclose on your home in these decisions. So I'm not trying to say take action in a way that is
1: you calculated totally like calculated risks, calculated yes. risks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. got that, dude. I'm blown away. I'm I'm so excited. I mean, because as you were saying that, I see the weight loss thing. We're taking action. We're pushing past it. We're taking those small hits, as you say, right? They're just base hits. Yeah. But when they start building and you know, it's funny cause there's two groups now cause we've added a strength group to it too. Yep. And it's just so cool when I see somebody doing it and I get inspired, I'm like, all right, I can do that too. You know? Yep. And, and, and it's so encouraging. There's so much, it's so, uh, it's so crossover. And again, your, your, uh, your net worth is your network, man. And I'm just so lucky to have you as part of mine. So man, I really appreciate it. I wish you nothing but success. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, you're very welcome. My pleasure. This has been a lot of fun. I, I really appreciate it. And it's been great getting to know you over time.
1: Man, what a great guy. Um, I'm very fortunate to get to know him. And again, we have this group that we do. And it's so cool to see people, you know, be vulnerable. You know, you're real vulnerable in there because, you know, you're, we're showing pictures of weight uh, software we use and you can see, uh, you see each other's weights, people on scales, or you see people weightlifting and you're looking at, I was weightlifting the other day and the there's a young lady at the college who is lifting a heck of a lot more than me, and she was half my size, and that's intimidating. But you know what? I'm going to get there. I didn't took me 53 years to get in the shape. It's going to take me some time to undo it. So um, very cool to be with guys or people like this. I don't mean guys only. don't mean it that way. But um, it's very cool to find these people in your life, and, and to me you've got to embrace them, and you've got to sew into them and build them up. Um, Because guess what? They pull you along if you're so lucky. Um, And I've been very, very fortunate to meet people like Craig. And uh, I'm just, I'm a much better person for it. ecommercemomentum.com, ecommercemomentum.com.
0: Thanks for listening to the ecommerce momentum podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.